Mr. Mark Selby, how are you, sir? Very good, Mr. Matthew Gordon. Well, uh, it looks like you're on the road again. Uh, that seems to be a standard issue for you. Where are you today? Uh, I am in Timmins. It's our uh, monthly get-together and uh, have right. had some visitors. So, no, it's been good couple well, days so well i i'm sure i'm sure we're going to share with them the 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 news that we're going to talk about today which is this chinese stimulus which seems to be a washing over the market and is looking pretty exciting going forward but um first but let's let's start with nickel pricing and so we understand what's going on out there at the moment yep again another week bouncing off the eighteen thousand dollar ton mark at 820 a pound for those who use the other method um yeah, again it's held up reasonably well i um uh Again, still expect a test of the 17,500 level into that um, before this sort of down spike is over. Uh, we're seeing a steady increase in LME inventories. Again, nothing huge at this point, but, you know, one or 2,000 tons a week. You know, we're still at a, you know, a few days of, of inventory on the on the LME stockpile. So, you know, this was expected and, and you know, nothing to get uh, too concerned about, you know, on the great convergence fronts that we've talked about many times. Uh, again, the, the sulfate premium to the to briquette markets hanging in there. NPI also hanging to similar levels. Uh, we saw ore prices come off a little bit. They needed to. I mean, they had moved pretty uh, dramatically on Indonesia, kind of looking at mining quotas. Um, but uh, you know, according to you know some of the reports, there's still ore heading from the Philippines to Indonesia. Uh, the key thing that is, you know, we're a few months away from when the Philippines enters the rainy season and ore shipments stop. So from certain parts of the country, so we'll be. You know, some potentially interesting developments on that front um, to see sort of you know, whether everyone has got all the ore inventory they need to get through the, that that period or whether people are going to start scrambling over the next month or two. Um, you know, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see here, which, again, you know, sort of ties into your opening there around, you know, Chinese stimulus. Um, the, the big thing here is, again, you know, we've seen disinflation, almost deflation sort of pop up into different sectors of the market in, in just within China. Uh, you know, we could use a little deflation in the rest of the world right now. Um, and so, you know, the Chinese government, some of their traditional tools really haven't worked as well as they have historically. And so, you know, the, the, the key piece here is it looks like they're pulling out the big bazooka in terms of, of you know, uh, fiscal stimulus. So they announced just overnight, um, you know, a um, uh, trillion dollars in, in, in RMB in long-term construction bonds, half have to be spent in Q4 and, and the other half um, in the first half of 2024. A key piece here is they're, they're saying it's for infrastructure. Again, you want you want to stimulate the economy, but you don't necessarily want to create bad inflation. And so the key piece here is that it can't be used for productive capacity, which means like no more steel plants, no more aluminum plants. We were trying to get rid of the excess capacity out of the system. Um, and so more infrastructure spending, you know, is, is, a, is a very good way to do that. And they're going to let the fiscal deficit pop up uh, above the 3% mark, which, again, in, in this type of environment uh, where they are, it's the right thing to do uh, economically. And there's supposed to be a national finance conference, uh, which will take place early next week. So, again, I think expect further permanent pronouncements there and, and an underscoring of the Chinese government, you know, that they do not want to see this kind of disinflation deflationary trends to continue again you know that will it won't it won't as much in the past 20 years ago trickle into the commodity sector but it will be positive for for commodities uh, in general um, because you know again a lot of that infrastructure spend you know will be will be more commodities intensive and so you know net net is a, is a strong you know is a good signal to the market that uh, things will improve and we'll just have to watch to see how this actually flows through the various metrics 
um, and, and to see whether it shows up in physical demand uh, over the next you know four to eight weeks. So obviously, exciting news out of China, and we, we should talk about perhaps what the knock-on effects are. But I think, Will, th- this won't be in isolation. It kind of feels like you've got a lot of announcements out of out of a lot of um, countries at the moment who are trying to look at ways of reducing real debt burden. So we can expect to see, I expect, more of this but um, across the board. But the, obviously, China being one of the second largest economy in the world, what do you think the impact of this announcement's um, going to um, be? What does it signal for industry? What does it signal for the markets? Well, two parts. One is, you know, again, if if you've been sort of destocking and, and thinking prices are going to go lower, you know, I think that the combination of you know this Chinese stimulus announcement, you know, we want to kind of put a floor under the economy here, uh, and again, we'll see what comes out next week. Combined with the fact that you know a lot of the Western economies are getting to the top. You know, to the end of their interest rate hike, uh, hiking cycle, uh, I think that you know sets the stage for okay. If I've been short metals, uh, you know, maybe I need to start to cover because most of the bad news is now priced in, and my risk is more upside than downside at this point in time. So even before we see the physical, you know, physical uh, manifestation in the market, you know, we may see uh, invest, you know, traders basically getting out ahead of it. So so I think it'll be an interesting, you know. Two weeks here to see see what happens uh, in the marketplace, but it is these kinds of things that sometimes cause a turning point in the market. You know, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, after you've been on the downslope for quite a while, you know, you, you know, it's these events that 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 trigger uh, you know trigger a bottom and move higher. So fingers crossed, and we'll know more you know, probably in about two weeks from now. Okay, well, maybe maybe let's come back to that because I, I, I say the that the, the data is going to be um, fascinating because it has real. Um, implications, obviously, not just on, on, on price, but in terms of investment as well um, in, in the space. So um, now I, I want to talk to you about something else, which is the, the way that future demand is measured. We Certainly when we're looking at EVs, we tend to um, use the a, a number of car units sold or estimated to be sold. Um, we've also, in the backdrop uh, of that, having conversations around different, you know, um, standards of, of batteries, different um, battery types, and different battery use cases. So, um, you you've kind of been um, doing a little bit of work around, you know, that I think, haven't you? So, I mean, what what, what do you want to tell us today about that? Yeah. So the the uh, kind of mad at myself that uh, haven't sort of been talking about it this way because this is exactly the right way to talk about it. Um, you know. I the last while here have been talking about the fact that you know we're moving into a more nickel intensive um, phase of of uh, of EV battery development um, as we move to North America with bigger cars that need to have nickel batteries in there, um, and so there's a company Atomus Intelligence that for uh, you know has been for quite a while and shame on me for not getting sooner. Basically, you know been looking at the you know the it's the mega the megawatt battery share so which is the, the better way to look at it and starts to correct for that. Because the reality is, is right now, if you just look at the number of cars and, and this is the, you know, the issue that I've been, ha- was having and trying to you know talk to people about is, you know, right now, if you have, you know, one little tiny micro car in China and you have a Ford F-150 Explorer pickup truck in North America, that counts as one when you do it per car. But that, little micro car might have a 20 kilowatt or 30 kilowatt battery that yes is lfp makes total sense not driving very far it's exactly the right size battery uh, to get that ford explorer it has a 130 kilowatt 
battery option. So that one truck counts for six of the, you know, of the, of the Chinese cars. If you look at it, you know, on that kind, on a megawatt, uh, battery size basis. And so, you know, when you look at it that way, you know, what's interesting is, and that, you know, data is reflecting the trend that, you know, can see underneath the numbers is, you know, when you look at the average amount of nickel per kilowatt or per megawatt installed, that's now gone up over 8% year over year in the battery side. And it's gone up 11% in the plug-in hybrid. Again, you know, in, in a plug-in hybrid, you, you also uh, have a, a battery that's there. So you take that growth per unit and then you multiply it by the number of units, um, the growth of the number of units, and you go, oh, okay. You know, there's so much news about LFP and people getting nervous about, oh, is, you know, people are never going to use nickel in batteries, blah, 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 blah. But again, the reality is, you know, now moving forward, it's not about as much, nearly as much about China and Europe, smaller cars, LFP is 100% appropriate. We're now moving into the big car, higher end market where you've got lots of models now coming out. And those are all going to be big nickel batteries, you know, um, you know, for the most part. And so, you know, it will be interesting to see sort of how this flows through into nickel demand um, in, in 2024, 2025. But this is something that I'll, you know, I'll continue to talk about, you know, as we move forward here, because I, again, I think it captures what's going on in the market uh, uh, very nicely. So that's, so that's quite two, two quite significant new ways of maybe looking at or analyzing the market. One, obviously, with with you know the China news, and I suspect and other news where government's taking real action in terms of reducing real debt burden, um, and this way of measuring the kind of EV contribution to to the mix as, as well. So we'll stay on top of both of those those things going forward. Um, it, we we can't um, have a session like this without mentioning um, the LNE. Um, what's happening over there? Yeah. So um, you know. As we talked about and had predicted, once we got through twenty thousand, we we're going to see prices move pretty quickly, uh, and they did. And uh, it's <laughs> there's a very good reason, you know, that they did. Uh, I hadn't realized just how big the short positions had gotten. Uh, so um, the net short right now um, is is a record back to twenty eighteen, um, and and again during that time frame, you know, we saw prices go down to the four to five dollar a pound level. Uh, so it's it's. Uh, it's amazing that the price has held up as much as it has. Um, and in terms of tonnage, um, you know, that's uh, going back to almost close to an all-time high in 2019. The, you know, the key piece here is, right, that those, those, you know, that's already in the market. That's priced into the market today. Again, I think we'll see one more break below $18,000 a level. But, you know, going back to the Chinese stimulus, going back to the, you know, interest rate cycle getting to the end, once that risk return, you know, dynamic starts to shift to there's more upside risk than downside risk. When you have a massive short position like this, you know, the potential for a short covering rally, you know, one of those rip your face off, you know, prices move $2,000 uh, a ton in a week or two week period, you know, that that's setting the stage for that early this year. So, you know, I, it'll be curious to see sort of how this resolves itself. Again, I Again, we got one more move lower. We're not out of the woods yet, but I think once we get past that one move lower, I think that you know, uh, unless there's a massive collapse, which I don't think there will be, then you'll then you'll um, you'll see that short position uh, start to be covered, and uh, you know, I think will make for a very very interesting early 2024. Right. Well, there we go. So the 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 joy of following these 
these private movements and, and more importantly, the reasons why. Um, right, well, bit of company use. Um, again, some some people, we, we, we talk about regularly, Talon Mattels, um, how are they doing? Great kudos to them. I mean, this is... <laughs> Every junior miner you talk to is going to is, is tell you that this is one of the worst markets. Um, you know, in my in my view, this is the worst that we've seen, other than the late 2015, early 2016 bottom. Um, and kudos to them out raising 22 million dollars to continue exploring uh, Tamarack. And so, uh, again, good to see yeah, good companies out there uh, raising raising some cash. Um, SPC, uh, who we talked about last week, uh, you know, they completed their resource drilling phase, and again, this is. Two properties. They picked us the, the adjacent part of it up from Valley, um, and, and good for them to getting a deal done with Valley, which is never easy. Um, and so they've completed the infill. They're going to have a resource. This is a potential open pitable deposit, you know, sitting in the Sudbury Basin where you've got two mills uh, that are short of feed. Uh, and so they've done some additional infill drilling, you know, at very shallow uh, levels. So you know, again, good to see, um, you know, fifty nine meters of 0.7 nickel, 0.38 starting at two meters from surface. You know, so then you know that again is is very mineable, um, open pit material. So uh, you know, will be great, good to see what the resource looks like, and uh, you know, eventually a PEA uh, on that. So all good, all good. And then yep. should we nip over to the US? Yeah, they're, so the, they're, the, they're finding nickel too. Yeah, so the key thing with the US, you know, there really are very few places to find nickel. It basically in the Minnesota, Michigan area, which is where Talon is. Uh, you've got some uh, laterite deposits in the west coast of the U.S., and there's a nickel sulfide uh, company uh, that's made some discoveries in Wyoming. Uh, but the other place where you can find it is Alaska. So uh, there's a company, a uh, newly named company, Alaska Energy Battery Metals. Uh, they've picked up a property that was uh, explored by ECO uh, back in the 1990s. And, and so, uh, again, a, a big, you know, big structure. Um, you know, getting the kind of, uh, uh, you know, big ultramafic type grades, but with sort of, you know, a, a decent mix of, of palladium platinum um, along with the, with the nickel and a little bit of copper. Um, so, you know, again, the first few bowls, uh, similar widths and grades to what had been done historically. So, you know, we'll see, you know, as they start to unlock uh, what's going on there, uh, you see if they, they can pull something together. I, again, you know, there's so much U.S. financial support right now for critical minerals that, you know, if, if, uh, you know, any of those plays should be able to get some traction. So this is one just to keep an eye on to see, to see how it evolves going forward. Fantastic. Okay. Well, there we go. A little, little bit of company news. Um, also, I'm not, not sure any, most people spotted this, but you, are, you've been seen trotting around with the Minister for Industry, uh, Mr. Vic Fideli. What was that about? Yeah, no, it's, I mean, again, we've got an excellent relationship with, with, um, all the various government ministers, and and you know you've got a good relationship with the government ministers is when you're talking to the battery supply chain companies, and they said, oh, you know, your ministers were here, and you know, <laughs> we heard about you from them, and uh, so it was great to give. Uh, obviously, with the feasibility study we put out uh, last week, we're going around um, having those visits, um, and he's you know the, the key keeper of the mine to EV strategy uh, in in Ontario. You know, one of a handful of ministers who are responsible for making that all happen. So. It was great to sit down with him and give him an update. And again, you know, very lucky to be in Ontario, where we've got a, a great provincial and great federal government that are being very supportive uh, of those activities. So, yeah, I know it was, uh, it was great for him to be out there uh, supporting us as well. So Good, good, good stuff. Okay, well, look, um, Mark, appreciate your time. I know you've got to get over to the, the team and, um, and catch up with them. And we will see you next week, sir. Sounds great.